Hi, everyone. I'm Howard Brown, CEO and founder of Ring DNA. We help sales teams optimize their performance with real-time guidance, and you're listening to The Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. What's up, Purpose Driven Entrepreneurs? It's me, your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today is Howard Brown. Howard, welcome to the podcast. I am psyched to be here with you, Timmy. I'm excited to talk to you, Howard. So I would love for you to give our listeners some brief context as rapid fire as you can. I'd love to know how is it that your business works, as in what is it exactly that you sell and to who? Um, What's the primary way that you get customers and what's been your growth? Excellent. So I'm a three-time founder. Uh, My company today is Ring DNA. We create software that ensures that customer-facing teams perform at their absolute best in everything they do, and uh, we've had exponential growth. We've been uh, we've been around since mid 2013, and uh, we're averaging 50% growth year over year. And uh, you asked one other question. I think I slipped. What's your primary way that you get customers? Uh, primary way we get customers is generating content and and word of mouth from one successful customer to another yeah what's what do you think is uh what you would attribute you said you've had explosive growth what would you attribute to that or when did it happen and how did it happen um when did it happen and how well i think it it happens by producing great products that deliver great results so uh we we are hyper focused on making sure that our customers um, get value from, from every interaction with our applications. So we study customer behavior. We listen to their needs. We pay particular attention to um, how they work and, and what they care about. We study that, we obsess over that, and we make sure we deliver that. And by doing that, they, they perform better and, and, and they become our evangelists and, and uh, advocates. Yeah, I think there's something huge to be said about when you can turn customers into advocates and evangelists. It's something that I'm now that I have. Uh, so we we for the longest time, our process took over five months to turn an industry leader into ki- a kids book author. We've been able to shorten it down to three months now, which is awesome. But we've only been around for like a year, uh, less than a year. So we we finally have books that are coming out now. And that's the biggest thing that's on my mind, aside from sales and marketing, is making sure that these products are successful and so that I can have my customers becoming advocates for the brand. And it's already happening, which is awesome. Um, so uh, yeah, totally. You said that you're a three-time founder. What was the first uh, company that you started? Yeah, so I'm actually a clinical psychologist by background and training. So I, so I was a therapist first. And the first company I, I found is, was actually to help um, people find the right behavioral health, the right therapist, the right counselor, the right psychiatrist. And that was going back to the late 90s when the internet was just at the early days. And so we built a massive uh, network of therapists and and helped them find the right customers to help them build their practice and provided back-end administrative services, billing services, and and, uh, ended up selling that one to a very large, actually the largest behavioral health care company in the world. Did you always know that you wanted to start companies or when you... Were you set to be like, I'm going to be a clinical psychologist? 
I definitely knew that I wanted to be in business. I think that I've always been a problem solver. And one thing became clear to me as a therapist, I was able to really work one-on-one -on -one with families, with individuals, with couples, and help them with their situation. What became crystal clear was that there was a massive swath of American society that was suffering from depression, anxiety, eating disorder, alcoholism, and that therapists had very little expertise around marketing and sales and needed a way to better connect and bring those customers or patients in. And so I found a marketplace issue and I built a, a service around it and it turned out to a to really expand, grow, and, and, and grow into a great success. Um, I love finding really difficult challenges and solving them. So um, yeah, I did that. I founded another one around the assisted living space. So think nursing homes, senior living facilities, and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, my grandma was needed help looking for a facility and there wasn't a whole lot of services out there. And we became the largest marketing partner for the assisted living industry and then sold that company. So, you know, you find you find a problem and you, you know, you, you work on understanding both, both sides of the equation and you provide great service. And uh, you know, I, I, that's what I love doing. And I love using technology. Talk to me about the path from those companies to your current company. Why did you start this company? Well, it, to me, it, it became very much about providing the best experience on both ends, right? So as a consumer of behavioral health content, for example, if you're a woman and you're looking for content on eating disorders because you're struggling, you may have bulimia or anorexia, you go online, you read information and you find the resources you need. And you've now built that trust with that individual. Well, that individual ultimately needs to reach out for help. They need to either pick up the phone or fill out a web form. Well, let's say they pick up the phone, right? They pick up the phone, they call the number, that call gets routed to a man. When that call's routed to a man, you have a 95% chance that that woman will simply hang up the phone. Because what you haven't done is provide them a great customer experience. You've got them to trust you. You've presented them with great content. But at that moment, that real moment that matters, you've broken that trust. You've created a situation that's uncomfortable for them. So how did we take the content, the information, the campaign source, the phone number, push that into a central database so we knew that when somebody reached out, we were able to provide them with somebody who could help them in that moment by providing that context, taking that information we knew about them and providing them with the help they need. That's essentially what Ring DNA is. We take all the marketing data, all the conversation data, all of the data that we collect on customers, and we use that to provide them with a better experience. And I think if you think about problems today, it's how do we provide a better experience for our customers or prospects? And how do we provide a better worker experience? How do we provide the tools that our employees need to excel at their jobs? And bridging that gap is how you build the best companies in the world. And that's what Ring DNA does. So I'm really curious, based on your experience building companies, what is something that you think, what is something that you think about successfully building a company that you think most people don't think or don't believe or just aren't thinking about? Well, I, I think that we've come to a place where people 
realize that their most valuable resource is actually the human capital, the people that work for them. But I don't think we spend enough time thinking about how we can create the best experience for our employees. And I think if we give them tools that help them excel at their jobs, to help them perform at their top, not just automating them and not just um, inundating them with information, but actually creating an atmosphere where they can reach their best human potential, where they can reach their best performance as an employee. That ultimately equates to providing the best customer experience. Everybody talks about you have to provide the best customer experience. The way to do that is really providing the tools and the environment to, to, to allow your employees to have the best experience because a, a happy employee, a learning employee, a growing employee, when they talk to your customers or prospects, they'll provide the best experience. If they're miserable with their tools, if they're miserable with their company, they're not gonna provide a great customer experience. So if everything is about providing the best customer experience, let's provide your employees the best experience possible for them so that when they do connect, they're providing the best brand experiences. And that's how customer, that's how companies win today. Why do you think that way? And why do you think most company leaders are not thinking that way? Listen, I don't know that most are not. I think it's, it's a mindset, right? It involves really listening, stopping, because we're all very focused on the bottom line. We're all focused on how do I hit my quarterly numbers? How do I cut costs? How do I grow in the fastest way possible? Sometimes you have to slow down, stop, step back and say, wait a minute, what is really driving this business? What is really driving this company? At the end of the day, it's your employees. We're all in a race to find the best employees. And let's say we find them well, just finding them is not enough. You have to nurture them. You have to help grow them. And I think it all goes back to if we think about ourselves as helpers, whatever business we're in, our job is to help people reach a buying decision, to help them with their needs, to fix a problem they may have. Well, we need to focus that also on our internal infrastructure and our people. Investing in our people ultimately will help us deliver the best outcomes. What do you think your role as CEO is in making sure that your team has the best uh, employee experience that they can have? Like, well, I, I guess it, that's a practical question that I'm asking. Like, I'm thinking through, like, how do I as CEO, like, what, like, what exactly, how much time should I be allocating to this? And, and how should I be going about making sure that it's happening? Well, I think it's I think it goes beyond allocating a period of time. I think it goes to the the people you hire, the culture you want to build, the sort of communication you have with your employees, the goals or OKRs you set for your team. I think if you're if you're looking to hire people who have that growth mindset, you're looking for people who are coachable. You're looking for people who take feedback. You're looking for people who want to learn and also want to help grow and mentor others along. Um, so it starts at the top. It definitely involves hiring the right folks. It definitely involves making sure that those values that are core to you and the company you build 
penetrate down to everybody you hire. And, and you need to make sure it's more than just, you know, something that sits on the door is written on the walls. It needs to be who you are. So when you form a company, make sure the values you are trying to articulate, the values that you hold true to yourself also penetrate the company you're building. What's your process for either uncovering or coming up with a company's values? Again, I think it's, it has to be the value. I'm, you know, I, I obviously I'm bald. You guys can't see me. It's a podcast. I've had many years of experience, plenty of wrinkles. Um, it's a growth process, right? You don't start company one with, I'm going to fashion this company after all those values I've spent so much time exploring that are critical to me and my family. It's a process of evolution, right? You sort of grow up a bit. At least that was my process. So, you know, things that matter to me that are core to how I raise my kids that my wife and my family expect of me um, are the kinds of things that matter. So for us, it's very much focused on being human-centered, continuously learning, sort of looking in the mirror instead of pointing the finger at other people, being part of a team, dreaming really big, and then champing other voices, right? Understanding that it takes diversity to really drive change and success. Those are values that matter to me as an individual. Those are values that I really strive to build and focus on and resonate um, our conversations within Ring DNA around. So the, the, those are kind of the things that matter to me and, and the people I hire. How did, uh, how did your values come up in Ring DNA? Was it something that you, through your experience starting companies, were like, I know that these are the core values that I want my company to have? Or was it something that emerged from your team? Well, I think it was both. I think as a, as a founder, a CEO, if, if you're not focused on your core values at the very beginning, it makes it really hard to shift gears and focus on them later. So it's really important when hiring people to make sure you understand what's core to them. Are, are, are they focused on the same things that matter to you? And if not, maybe there's not a fit. And if you're a founder and looking for a co-founder, those better be critical to those early conversations because if they're not and you find out down the road that, that there's not a good mesh meshing of values and, and, and culture, that leaves you in a tough situation. So hopefully you're bringing yourself to your company and what matters to you and the values you hold dear are those that will matter to the company. I think the common path for most entrepreneurs, and I could be wrong and I could just be biased because of my own experience, is first we start a company either because we want to solve a problem or because we're just so passionate about the thing that we're creating. And then later on we go, oh crap, I need to have a common set of values. And that's certainly where, where it is for me. Um, I mean, I had started Dinosaur House already and acquired people onto the team that I thought were awesome, but I never clearly articulated like, here is why I think this person is awesome. And here are the values that I'm hiring into this company over. And so I guess I'm curious what your advice would be to somebody in my shoes about how to like, how to correct this. 
Well, I, I don't know that it needs correcting. I think it just needs some of your time, energy, and focus, right? So it's, it, it's stopping and, and asking the question, um, you know, what are the core values that you want to fashion this company after? And then in spending time with your employees, talking through those values and seeing if those resonate, or maybe they have other values that you live, but you just haven't really thought about, or you haven't been able to articulate or even thought about for your company. So involving those stakeholders, involving those other people, um, asking those questions. I think this is a, it's a process of, that's evolving over time. So values you start a company with, yeah, they may, they may evolve over time. A decade, people change. I'm sure you've changed over the last three, four or five years, even the last six months. Some yep. of your values will change as well. And as long as you're open and you are, you're able to talk through those and, and connect and then create an exercise where you want to come up with what those values are and write those down and, and make sure you understand them. And then when you're hiring people, make sure that you're hiring for those values because sounds like you're early on. So you have the opportunity to shape your company in any way you see fit. Yeah. I know I'm camping out with you here on values, but uh, I, I, I like this conversation and it's very top of mind for me. So like one very specific question that I have, and I'm just curious what your thoughts are, is how product focused or not product focused should, should values be? So like, for example, a value that I have is, and I, I actually say this to customers and potential customers when we're talking is I'm like, we're students, like our team, Dinosaur House, we're students of what makes good kids books good. Um, so that's very product, that's a very product centric value, but it's something that we all have on this team. And I've, I've heard advice that's like, you shouldn't make your value so focused on your product. I'm curious what your thoughts are. I don't understand why you would not create a product that's aligned with your values that, that, that doesn't Well, no, make... the other way around. So like, is it, is it a bad idea that your values would be so pointed directly at the product? Like the idea that we're students of what makes good kids books good. That's, no, I, that's, I, I, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know why you would do it any other way. I think you have to have your values aligned with whatever you're building. And so with Ring DNA, it's, our values are very much human-centered, continuous learning. Um, those sort of things are built into the product. The entire product is help is to help people perform at their best, is to help people grow, is to help grow revenue by helping the individual with situational awareness and perform at their best. If my values weren't specifically around performance and continuous learning and growth, and th then I would probably, well, I don't think we'd be successful. So I think you yeah. have to build values into product. Yeah. So speaking of your company and its values, um, I have a fun question that I like to ask. And that is, if someone were to write the Wikipedia article on Ring DNA, aside from just a brute definition of what your company does, what are the things that you hope are said? I'd say that what we're trying to do is transform how people forward-facing teams, sales, marketing, support, success, how they perform, how they communicate, how they connect with their customers. We're trying to help them perform 
um, with situational awareness. We're trying to give them real-time guidance and coaching. Um, I, I'd liken it to this. If you've ever had an amazing coach or an amazing teacher, that individual typically shapes your life in many, many ways. And they do it with a very short, usually in a very short period of time. That's incredibly powerful. And all of us have had our lives shaped by great mentors or coaches or trainers. Ring DNA, our product is really built around that concept of providing that real-time guidance, that coach that's always available to you. So if you think about having that coach with you, no matter what situation you're in, that's what Ring DNA does. We provide that. Yeah, that's awesome. And then getting more personal, Howard, um, when you think about the question of what you're personally living your life for, um, what or 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 what's your legacy, or how do you want to be remembered? Any any of those kinds of questions? What jumps out to you as most important? I really hope that I can be that guide, that mentor, that helper. I think at the end of the day, how I live my life, not just by what I say, but by what I do, by how I raise my kids, by the type of husband I am, by the type of employer or partner or employee, um, hopefully people will look back and say, I helped a lot of people and I help people get better. And that, that to me is, is, is a guiding principle for me. It matters a lot. And, um, you know, I try, I try and live that value in just about everything I do. When did you figure out that that was going to be your purpose in life? Um, I think the, the aha moment for me was when I was 25 years old and I had already uh, found a, a measure of success in, in real estate and, and in, in, in political science and, and, and speech writing. I was following in my father's footsteps. He was, he, he was in real estate. He was in politics. He was mayor of Beverly Hills. I was sort of becoming all the things huh. that my dad I didn't know wanted. that. Yeah. I, all the things my dad wanted me to become. And I had the material things. I had a house at the beach. I had a nice car. And I, I remember looking in the mirror and just thinking, I don't know who I am. I'm not, the, I'm not becoming who I want to be because I don't know what I want to be. I'm sort of following that school syllabus into life as opposed to writing my own. And, and that, was a, that was an aha moment for me. I actually had a friend that was earning their master's in clinical psychology and, and I ended up... Uh, and I ended up going in for my master's in clinical psych while doing this other profession. And, and, and that was that aha moment. How did you break away from what the, like the set path that you had in front of you? Cause I've also had that experience where I looked in the mirror and I was like, wait, who, hmm. who is this person? And yeah. I remember I had to do, I, I did all kinds of things breaking out of the mold like I was I was on tour at the time I was having one of my most successful kids book tours so I just made a point of like I would go on these long hikes every day I would do like kids book author visits at schools in the morning and the, and then in the afternoon and then I would go on like long nature hikes and just asking big questions of like okay who am I really and and what what is it that I really want and all of that kind of stuff what did you do to break out of your path 
I think I started asking more questions and doing more listening. I think for, for the earlier years of my life, I did far more talking and far less listening. And I think uh-huh. the, doing more active listening, um, surrounding myself with people who seem like it wasn't just the material things they had, but they had more focus um, they seem more connected. Um, I met incredible people while earning my master's and, you know, sort of dug into that. I, I volunteered a lot and, and earned my clinical hours you know, working at a, uh, a, a shelter for women who have been domestically abused. I, I worked at a drug and alcohol treatment center in downtown LA for people who were early released from prison. I met my wife at a counseling center. She was studying to be a social worker. I just opened myself up to the possibilities and I did more listening. Yeah. I love one of my favorite things to do. And I, I do this on this podcast is I love figuring out questions that I can ask that give me a deeper, like a much deeper sense of who a person is than your typical questions that most people ask each other. I'm going to hit you with a couple of them, but if you think of any that you're like, oh, here are some go-to questions I like to ask people. I'd love to know what they are so that I can steal them and use them in future podcasts. But here, I'm going to hit you with a couple of them. Uh, here's the first one. What is something, Howard, that you currently suck at that a year from now you want to be great at? Hmm. What do I currently suck at? I think the thing that I'm struggling the most right now with is I just got a 12 week old puppy and I'm not being consistent in my training of him. I'm, okay. I, I'm, uh, I'm definitely uh, thinking that I know how to train a dog and he has, he isn't learning in the way that I have historically trained a dog. And so I think that goes back to just about any situation, because look, I hire a lot of employees. I have people in my life um, rather than projecting what I think that experience should be or how they should learn. I need to slow down because as you get bigger and bigger, as your company gets larger and larger, you have more and more employees, you really need to slow down and focus on the individual's and sort of what motivates them and not fall into the, the trap of here's the template and here's how you do it. And it's going to work across, you know, the entire organization. It, it very much is situationally um, dependent. And, you know, the dog needs different training because he's a different animal, right? My employees, my customers need different experiences. Um, and I've known that I've worked with people one-on-one. I was a therapist for seven years. I'm still licensed understanding their situation and digging into their situation without projecting what I think it is, is critical. And in the same way, it becomes easier. The larger your company gets, the more people you have around you to sort of fall into the assuming people are a certain way or the situation should be that way. So it's a humility at the end of the day, it's having more humility, have slowing down and not, not sort of drinking my own Kool-Aid and think I have some, some uh, formula for success in any situation. I love it. Here's my other for fun question. So I'm a kid's book author. I believe that part of leaving a legacy is reaching kids. What's a topic or idea you'd make a kid's book about if you could? 
how, how no matter what you end up doing in life, no matter what career you pick, that what you should be doing is helping people. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I love that concept. One of my favorites kids books ever was the giving tree. You know, that, that, that book had a real impact on me and on my children. And I think um, people think about like work and profession um, as something they do to earn money or do nine to five. I think our earlier conversation is about values, right? Like finding those things that drive you, that matter, um, and bringing that to work is critical. I love it. Howard, uh, did you think of any questions that you love to ask people or questions for me or questions that I could steal? You know, my favorite question um, to ask for any interview I've ever done is, and it's always my first, is what are you passionate about? Yeah. It's, it's amazing how people will answer. Some will go right to work. Some will go right to home life. Some people will have a mix but finding out whether or not you have a passion and you know what that passion is. Um, I, I love that conversation. It typically, you know, it typically grows into some amazing uh, chat and, and, and learning. Yeah. It's probably pretty obvious, but I'm very passionate about connecting adults with kids about something that one of them is passionate about mm -hmm. like a huge, I just, I uncovered that I went on this retreat called living a better story where part of it was trying to figure out like, why is it that you chose the life path that you chose? And for me, like I, I always knew I wanted to grow up and be a story artist, but I didn't know what form it would take. And then when I started making ki the kids book for my little brother, I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to be a kids book author that only got solidified through touring and reading for other kids and hearing the sea of laughter whenever I'd tell a joke from the book. And then, so for the longest time, I just thought, oh, this is just my favorite playground to play in. That's why I want to be a kids book author. And then in the retreat, I uncovered like, oh, just like how when I was 17, connecting with my little brother, I, I want to never stop doing that. I want mm -hmm. to be doing that for myself. I want to, I, I love playing the older brother role being like, hey, let me show you this cool thing, you know, to kids and get, getting them thinking about stuff that they wouldn't normally think about. And I love to see other parents or just adults in general doing it with kids and seeing the connection. And I think it goes both ways, like, like kids books that are about things that the kid is passionate about and, you know, connecting with parents over that. So, yeah, anyway, that's my answer to the question. What I'm passionate about is I, I love that. I love seeing adults connecting deeply with kids about something that one of them is passionate about. And can there be more important work than helping our children connect with parents and parents to their kids? We're so distracted by everything else that happens in the world that you could have children and very little connection between the two of you. So keep up that amazing work. I'm, I, 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 I'm impressed. I'm, I, I'm, I, I wish we had more people focused on that. Thanks, Howard. You rock. This has been a fun uh, talk. Where are you most active on social and where would you like listeners to connect with you? Yeah, uh, LinkedIn. So Howard Brown um, at link or LinkedIn, Howard yeah. Brown. Link will be um, in the description. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Lots, lots of fun.